Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So when you negotiate, well, yes, we want something fair, but fair for both, not just more fair for me and less fair for you or vice versa. Let's just set where we both benefit. We go on as friends. Big lesson to be learned. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. This is episode number 1036 with John Paul DeJoria. Winston Churchill said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And Theodore Roosevelt said, it is hard to fail, but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. My friends, welcome to this episode. I'm very excited that you're here today. I hope you learn a lot from this valuable interview. My guest is serial entrepreneur, billionaire, and philanthropist, John Paul DeJoria, who is best known as co-founder of the Paul Mitchell line of hair products and the Patron Spirits Company. And in 2011, John signed the Giving Pledge created by Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett. Today, the commitment includes more than 200 of the world's wealthiest individuals who will give the majority of their wealth to address some of society's most pressing problems. We had an incredible conversation about how John came from nothing and how he was able to create multiple globally successful businesses by facing rejection head on. I love his stories about rejection and how he overcame this to build a multi-billion dollar brand. And in this episode, we discuss the difference between a billionaire mindset and a millionaire mindset. How John has grown his company, Paul Mitchell, for over 40 years after starting with only $700. Such an inspiring story. Why entrepreneurs should be in the reorder business, not in any other type of business. What investments we should be making in our lives right now. How we can overcome the fear of rejection that keeps coming up for us on different levels of life. What you need to know before starting a business. Why you should pay off your house as soon as possible. How to negotiate the right way in business and in your life. And why we should forgive everyone in our lives all the time. Some powerful lessons from John. I really, really love this. If you're enjoying this at any moment, make sure to share this with a friend who needs to hear it. Sharing is caring. And we're here to support people improving their lives with incredible stories and lessons from some great minds. And a quick reminder to click on that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now for the School of Greatness, as well as give us a rating and review while you're listening. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only John Paul DeJoria. Welcome back to Morning School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest, John Paul DeJoria is in the house, sir. Thank you for being here. We're neighbors. Yes, we are. My pleasure. And I, I happen to be here in LA for a couple of days, so I come over and do your interview. It's wonderful. Exciting, exciting. You've got a fascinating story. The more I'm doing research on you, you have an incredible story. You actually grew up here in LA, mm -hmm. Echo Park, I think That's it was, correct. nearby. Yep. 
And you were actually in foster care for a little bit, is that right? Yep, in East LA for a little bit. That's correct, for several years. Several years. How many years in foster care? Actually, four and a half years. Yeah, my mom was very, very ill, and we were very young, my brother and I. So we were about five years old to uh, nine and a half years old in foster care. We'd see our mom on the weekends, but during the week, it wasn't like it is today. She had to work to support us, and there was no one to take care of us. Really? So Monday through Friday, we were in foster care, and then on the weekends, we were with our mom. Do you think being in foster care allowed you, gave you the tools to be a successful entrepreneur? I don't think being in foster care gave me the tools to be an entrepreneur, a successful one. I think what it gave me was an understanding about other people's lives and understanding where they're coming from. Especially the other kids that were in foster care with us didn't really have a loving mom like we did. You they didn't know? get to see her on the weekends. No, they, they, they couldn't see her on the weekends either. And a lot of them, when they got out of foster care, had no place to go. You know, the, they stop you know, supporting them when they turn 18 or graduate from high school. They had no place to go. So I learned to be very empathetic about others on this planet that need that helping hand. And I think that was very beneficial when I finally made it financially to be able to look at the right things to invest money into to mm -hmm. help others out, whether it's the homeless or whether it's job programs in L.A. In Texas, we overcame a, home pro a homeless problem there that the world's going to learn from. Wow. We got a piece of land. We all contributed. This is we the people, not the city, okay? We all contributed. We built 240 little houses, all for homeless people. Now, who gets a priority going in? If you're without a shelter for a year or uh, uh, disabled, you're our first priority coming in. You have a home. We have organic gardens there. We have metal shop, wood shop, craft shop, theater. We have everything you could ever imagine there, right? So they could get, they could work. They could make money while they're there and have a safe place of life to clean their lives up. It's worked out so well that many of our volunteers there are very successful financial people, but moved there for one year in a trailer on our properties, little houses, to let their kids grow up showing how to help mm. out one another. Oh, it's amazing. So we have another 400 homes next door. Someone donated the land, and we're going to build another 400 homes there. Wow. So here we not only get the homeless off the streets, but get them back to civilization. They get jobs on their own. We tutor them. We take care of them. We give them dignity. Huh. Well, I know Rocket, my phone company, Wi-Fi the whole village called Community First. It's mobile loaves and fishes, Community First in Austin, Texas. We Wi-Fi'd it all and gave everybody a telephone wow. so that they could call anyone we're in the world free enough for communications. It's helping people, helping other people out. So going back to it, I've learned so much in foster care about those that are really in need. And boy, if I ever made it, I'm going to help out. But even if I did make it, like in my early 20s when, call it my biker days, okay? Sure. I would still, at Christmas time and at Thanksgiving, go up to Griffith Park. Huh. And I didn't have any money, but I volunteered to stand in line and feed the homeless or anybody who wanted to be fed. It's called feed-ins there in the 1960s. Really? Oh, yeah. When you were 20. Oh, yeah, 20s. my 20, yeah, my early 20 to 25 years old. It was there at uh, the Lovins, and we, we had feed-ins. And did I read that you lived in a old Rolls-Royce for a little bit? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, when I started John Paul Mitchell Systems, uh, everything was set up, money was coming in, not a dime ever came in. And I wasn't really good in my relationship, so I was departing <laughs> with my wife. Uh -huh. So I left her in the newer car, and we had a 2021-year-old 20, Rolls-Royce, right? It was an old one, but still it was yeah, an yeah. old funky Rolls, right? <laughs> it would break down occasionally. So I went down the hill in the older cars, and it turned out the money never came in. And I left all the money with her, to so take care of her and my daughter for many, many months. I had a few hundred bucks in my pocket. That's a true story. Wow. And uh, yes, yeah, so I lived in my car. It was a Rolls, but it still had windows that leaked. It was rainy season. So I would learn how to have a, a towel next to me. When you sleep, by the way, 
in the front seat, which is more room, you have more leg room in front, even in the rolls, you put your head where the steering wheel is because the rest of your body's bigger and it flips over. And then have a, have a rag right next to you, you can just reach down and take the water <laughs> off the window on the inside. You know? It was fun, it was different. You know, I would have rather had a place to stay in, but for sure. a few weeks I did it. Before you uh, launched John Paul Mitchell, you, were, you weren't really making a lot of money. You weren't, were you making money no, I was doing else? well, but not making a lot of money. No, right. I was doing well. I had a, my own consulting business for a mm-hmm. few years to a couple different companies. But if you really needed me and were fully staffed, I taught you everything you needed within three months and you didn't need me anymore. So that wasn't good. But if you did not have a whole staff, I worked for you for a whole year as a vice president of sales wow. or marketing to help you expand your business out. And then uh, a lot of those companies, I wasn't paid for two, three weeks in the rears. So sure. that's when I said, oh, you know, let's start something with my buddy, Paul Mitchell, and uh, raise the money. We raised the money, but the guy pulled out the last minute. We never received a dime, but it shows you that America still works. And I'd like to share mm. this with your audience. Yeah, yeah. They say, well, can you do today, JP, what you did 40 years ago in 1980 when you started this company, even easier? Why didn't we get the money? Why would it be easier today? In 1980, in, in 81, I'll go over two years, inflation was 12.5% in the United States. Wow. Unreal, okay? Unemployment was 10.5%. We waited in line to get gasoline. We waited in line for gasoline forever, just to you know, get as much as you can. And our hostages were not only still in Iran and hadn't been released yet in the early part of 1980, but if you wanted a loan, if you want a loan, everybody in 1980, interest rates, prime rate was 17%. Most loans were 25 or 30% if you could qualify for it. And if we wanted business cards or something made, we had to go to a print shop to set the type. Today, you could do all this on a computer. We wanted to call somebody, we had to get an international card, a calling right, card to right. build to, you know, even for the United States. It was very, very, and our whole office was an answering machine because that's all we could afford right. at a friend's house. <laughs> so today, yeah, it'd be a lot easier. Way you have easier. all these ways to communicate with people and America still works. And if there's any interest out there, it's extremely low compared to where we did it, but no one would give us a loan. Right. Even at 17, we would have paid 30% for a loan. No one gave us anything. Why wouldn't they give it to you? Well, because we had no assets, mm-hmm. we were out of jobs, we were starting a new company with no history behind it and no money in the bank. And no cash coming in. Oh, none, yeah. zero. Yeah, so we just, uh, we did it from the bootstraps up and just learned a whole lot. So how did it was you, an education. How did you sell the first product? Door to door. I would put it in my car and drive down Ventura Boulevard in Studio City, wow. all the way up to Reseda, stopping at beauty salons. We picked beauty salons because one, I was in the industry prior with other companies, so I knew the industry. Mm-hmm. My partner was a hairdresser and a darn good and one of the best in the world, innovator. So that was the industry we were going for and we we're gonna always stay in that industry. So we knew the industry, so we put our three different types of products in the car, drove salon to salon selling them. And then if they say, well, yeah, we'll give it a try, our first orders the first week were anywhere from $27, I think the top one was maybe $135, something like that, right? And I would, they'd write a check, but they would leave the top blank. I would deliver the orders on the spot. And after I got a dozen, which took me a week to get, we were an unknown, right? Sure. Again, anywhere from a $27 order, if you can imagine. 
$235, man. I think it was right. the max order. And that's when we, I did this because I wanted distribution. So I went to the biggest beauty supply house called Parasace in Los Angeles in 1980. Biggest there was. And I presented to Jim Hendrietta, who was the president at the time, our three, at that time, I think we had three and a half working on the fourth product, okay? I said, here it is. It's wonderful. It's Paul Mitchell. And I've been with this company. And Paul's a great hairstylist. He looked me right in the eye. said, your presentation's great. You're so darn positive, JP. He says, but... I'm Parasace Beauty Supply. We have all the big lines. Why would I want to spend time? You have no advertising, no promotion, no nothing out there trying to establish your brand. It makes no sense. I paused. I looked him in the eye. I said, I have a good reason. He said, well, what is it? I pulled out of my pocket 12 checks, put them all in front of him. I said, there's your first 12 orders. If you'll order, remember, we're really hard up, right? If you'll order only $2,000, we'll give you all of LA and Orange County, and I will work with you and your salespeople till it's gone. He looked at the 12 orders with blank. I said, it's your first 12 customers, they're yours. He laughed and set up and said, okay, we'll give you a shot, but you better be here all the time. I said, sure. There's one more thing I wanna ask you, and this is something good for your audience to know. If you have no money, and you can't wait 45 days to have your bills paid. Mm. How the world do you exist? You gotta turn right. something over. <laughs> Knowing this in advance, I worked into my profit margins an extra 5%. Mm. It was for the next thing. I said, Jim, I appreciate the opportunity. I'll be here and I'll help your people become really good consultants because Paul Mitchell products are so good. That's why we picked the hair industry. A hairdresser knows a damn good product when they know one and how it works on the hair. Well, we knew with no advertising, if they fell in love with it, they would use it in the salons mm -hmm. and recommend it for home use in between visits because they're the ones that really knew about hair. Yeah. Not the drugstore, not the supermarket, not the advertisers. So we knew we had that there. Well, now it was money. How are we able to pay our bills? We got bills due in two weeks here, and we have no money. I built it in. So I said, I'd like to ask from you in Paris HP Supply, when I deliver the products, could I please have the check? He <laughs> laughed. In fact, he, he said this at our 25th year anniversary. We brought him in. He said he, he laughed his head off and looked me in the eye and said, JP, we're Paris A Speedy Supply. We don't pay our bills for 45 days. I'm sorry. No, you didn't have to wait. We're giving you a break to start with. I said, how about if I give you an extra 5% to pay the bill? And I'm going to be here every day. He goes, okay, we'll do it for you to get you going, JP. And as he told the story, he says, within five minutes, my warehouse man called me on the phone and said, there's some guy back here loading products out of an old car. Looks like a good one. <laughs> he wants a check for 2000 He says, I laughed my head off, wrote the check, went back and handed it to him. And that's how, that's how we got Parasace Speedy Supply wow, going. that's amazing. And you really created this perception that you had all these orders already coming in from the door-to-door -door sales. Oh, yeah. I just said, here, I created them for you. And I'll be with your salespeople creating more. Wow. It's amazing. Do you think you would have got the deal if you didn't have those orders? Nope. <laughs> no. He liked me, but it wasn't about it. No <laughs> advertising, no probably right. Why? He was right. Why? Why do it? Was that a strategy you had in mind where you said, I'm going to go here, but let me first go door to door and get some orders? Or did you get the orders and say, ah, okay, let me take this now to a bigger distributor? It was along the way. As I would yeah. remember, everything was from the back of our pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, listen, well, no, don't put the name in. What if I could go to a distributor with these? Right. You talk a lot about the, uh, we should be in the reorder business. Yes, oh, big time. time. I say that to every person. Whether you have a service or whether you have a physical product, 
Don't go into the selling business. Most people do. Their service, here's why it's great, we want you to buy it, okay? Mm -hmm. Here's my physical product, why it's great, I want you to buy it. Here is me applying for, it goes to applying for a job with a company, okay? Hey, here, I'm gonna do great in your sales, great in your marketing, great in your engineering. I'm gonna do great, right? You're selling yourself the existing service. However, that is a one-time sale. Mm. If in your mind it is, I'm not going to the selling business, I'm going into the reorder business. Whether it's my product, my service, or myself to an individual I want to work for them. It's here's how it's going to affect me and you, but long term. So all the products were developed to be so damn good and so easy to use that people want to reorder them. Mm -hmm. If it was a service, and even a one-time service, they want to re reuse it if it isn't or tell other people about it because it was so good. Yeah. If a human being is applying for a job, look at telling that other person, not just what you offer now, but what you could offer them for the future. Right. Sell the reorder, not just the order. What, how does that apply to intimate relationships, the reorder business? Oh boy, that's a big yes. <laughs> I, I've had my ups and downs in life. Oh my goodness, in business, a personal relationship. Yeah. If you, I, all I could say is, Good luck. And the reason it's good luck is we all get infatuated with people, you know, no matter what our preferences in life. We get infatuated. But sometimes it changes over a period of time. So I can, mm. the best suggestion I could ever give you is take a piece of paper and write down one to ten things you would like in your ideal mate, no matter who it may be or what it may be, or your ideal mate. And just put it in your pocket. If you run across a person that has all those, you know that's probably a good start. It doesn't mean all 10 are correct. You could change those mm -hmm. along the way sure. and add to it. I think the main thing people should look at in relationships is how do you feel about the individual's being, their entity, not just about their appearance. And I know that because mm. at a very young age, you know, my era, who's the prettiest girl? Sure. Or who's even a girl in my era, right? <laughs> you know, my girl, hey, she's a girl, she likes me. I'm a, I'm a yeah. kid in school. I kissed a girl at 14 years old, you know? <laughs> Things are different, but it still is, if you look at someone's beingness, their heart. Their beingness. Uh, their beingness, in other words, them. The energy that comes out of them. What do they talk about? What do they say? How do you feel about their company, not just looking at them or what they have, either physically or monetarily or mm -hmm. connection-wise? How does that beingness feel? Because it's the beingness, mm -hmm. no matter how we change physically, that's going to be around and hopefully for all of us improve as time right, goes on. Right, right. What was a big lesson your mom taught you when you were in foster care and then out of foster care? Great. Six years old, my brother and I in foster care. One, I'll, I'll give you two examples. One is on giving, okay? We had nothing. Deadbeat dad, mm -hmm. gone at two years old, no money, you know, and my mom had to work. So six years old, uh, downtown LA, we had streetcars in those days. This is the 1940s, 51, right? You know, late 40s, early 50s, streetcars. We would take the little streetcar from Echo Park for a nickel to downtown LA. Wow. It's only a few miles, right? And at Christmas time, we would go to the Bullocks, the Broadway, all these great make company department stores that were in downtown LA. And the windows were full of puppets and little trains going around in circles. Oh, how wonderful. We thought we we were the coolest kids to see this. We didn't know. We thought, God, this is great. We're lucky, Santa Claus, yay! <laughs> and that one year, my mom gave my brother and I a dime and said, boys, with your little fingers, hold these each, and the two of you take this dime together and put in that bucket over there with the man ringing the bell. And we did. Now this is 19, it'll be 51, uh, 50, 51. We went to mom and my brother and I almost said at the same time, why are we giving them this, these people a dime? In those days, it was two large soda pops or three candy bars for a dime. And mom said, boys, 
That's the Salvation Army. There are people that have no food or no place to live. They help them out. Remember this wow. in life. We can only afford a dime. You know, that's all we can afford this year, but we're giving something. In your lives, boy, remember, there's always someone that's worse off than you are. I have one of the most positive moms in the world. Wow. And then even while we're in foster care growing up, coming home on the weekends, never forget this one weekend. We each had a little piece, maybe the size of an ounce, of filet mignon steak. My mom went out and bought three ounces, a very small piece, that's yeah. all she could afford, but a filet mignon, right? For the boys on the weekend. And she she cooked it, cut it in three, so we had a little piece. For us, it was maybe three bites, we were little kids. And she said, boys, that's filet mignon. That's what the rich people eat. Wow. We just like the rich people. Oh, mom, how cool. <laughs> wow. You know, so we, we had the greatest, she was full of love, just full of love. Did that teach you more about the mindset of creating abundance financially in your life? Or when did you really learn about financial abundance and attracting wealth? I think when I first realized that was at seven years old, when I had in the back of a comic book, a thing you tear out, you fill it out, send it in, and they send you four samples of Christmas cards. And you go around and try and sell and collect half the money. You send half the money with the order. When the order comes in to you and you deliver it, you get the mm. other half the money. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off 
Maybe I made $20 at seven years old. And it was, working is really cool. So that at that seven, eight, nine years old, I did that. Then come 11 years old is when I had a job and I haven't stopped. I've had a job since I was 11 years old. In those days, it was the LA Examiner was the number one newspaper in LA. Mm -hmm. My brother and I would get up at four in the morning, drive to Glendale on our bicycles, full newspapers, deliver them, go back home, get dressed and go to school. And with the LA wow. Examiner, they had a big Sunday papers all week long. And we made about $32 a month. And we gave it all to our mom, other than maybe a dollar we'd spend on ourselves, to live a little better. And now, you know, we're 11, 12. And I did that until uh, I wasn't doing it anymore. Then I did everything from sweeping floors at Thurston Laboratories to brushing blankets at Stewart's Cleaners huh. and all those things, you know, just to make money for the joy. It was for the joy of working. I had a job and made money. There was nothing in my mind at that time about creating any wealth. It was, I'm lucky. I had a job. I get to help mom out here. It was wonderful. But there came across one of the first real lessons of success and what success really means I'd like to share with you and your audience. Yes, please. I'm working at Stewart's Cleaners. I come there one day after John Marshall High School. That's what was my job after high school. I swept the floors. I brushed the blankets. I put the little drapes on the hangers and all that good stuff. So I came there and Stewart, who was tight, this guy was so tight he squeaked when he walks. Really a tight one. <laughs> He had to pay me a dollar and a quarter an hour because it was required for young people. You could not pay him less than that, okay? Or he'd pay me 50 cents an hour. So I go this there one day. This is in the 50, late 50s now? Uh, no, this is now going into the late 50s. Yeah, it would yeah. be the late 50s, early 60s, late 50s. Anyways, Stuart said to me, I want to talk to you, Johnny. That's what they called me in those days. I said, okay. And I said, oh my God, what did I do wrong? You know, he says, last night I was working late. And that little mezzanine where we have the cot upstairs, I wanted to rest a bit. So I went up there, took my watch off, put on the little table, and it dropped on the floor. Now this is a cot where those old spring cots that are open on the bottom, a little sure. mattress on top. He says, I reached down to get it, and I noticed under the cot, there wasn't any dust. He says, I just moved it. So he said, move this thing. And the finally comes behind, there was no dust. He says, you move everything when you clean it. As if I'm washing you all the time. I said, Stuart, I like my job. My mom growing up had my brother and I clean you know, the house. We would do dishes, everything. We were part of it. You hired me for a job. I'm going to do it whether you're looking or not. He says, I've never, ever had anyone work for me that does that well. I'm going to give you a raise. You're now making $1.50 an hour. Now, where I went to high school, for those kids that even were lucky enough to have a job, I probably was the highest paid kid at the time. Sure. But it showed me this. What a success. Success is not how much money or how much power you have. Success is how well do you do what you do mm. when no one else is looking and keep on doing it. Mm. Successful people do all the things unsuccessful people don't want to do. And my two biggest suggestions to people that are entrepreneurs, working for someone or working for yourself as an entrepreneur is two things. One, be prepared for a lot of rejection. You're going to get it. Selling encyclopedias, the average lifespan is three days. It's door-to-door, -door, commission only, all work, no leads. And everyone says no. Oh, no, they say no, oh, God. But they told me, and I believed them, that when you do it, if you knock on 50 or 100 doors and they slam it in your face, it's the guys that have that energetic attitude to keep on going. And don't let it get you. Knock on door number 100 just as enthusiastic as door number one and you'll succeed. And he was right. I don't know if it was 100 doors, 150 doors. Nobody would let me in. 
Finally, they let me in. Did I make the first sale? No. But I eventually, after a week, made a sale. And I believed what they said. So one of the great things is, if you're ready for rejection, whether it's your parents, your friends mm. that say, you're, you don't have enough money, you're, you don't look like this, you're not that, no one's going to like you, we hate your idea, no matter what it is. You're going to get rejection. When people say, no, 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 you know you're going to get it. Mm. Be prepared for rejection. If you're prepared, it's not going to hurt you as much. The second thing we already covered, go into the reorder business. Mm. Have the quality of your product or service so darn good, people are going to reorder and use it again. Yeah. Why do you think now, especially, so many people are afraid of rejection? I feel like people don't want to launch something, their business idea, their book, a podcast, whatever it is, because they're so afraid of what might happen wrong. That Why is, is that? an unbelievably perfect question. What world are we looking in today? Okay. An example, politically, no disrespect, mm -hmm. so you know where I stand politically, yeah. I am an independent. Mm -hmm. I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I actually give to both parties, but only individuals that I like or think are gonna do some, so mm -hmm. I'm not in the middle, right? Yeah. But what do I see around me? This is not America. If you're, for example, God forbid, someone that puts up a Trump sign, not that I agree with them, okay, but someone puts up a soft sign, it's, oh, you're a racist. Right. Oh my God, you don't believe in freedom, you don't believe in ecology, well, no, wait, wait, hold on. You don't have to say that to people. They may be wrong, you may believe differently, or vice versa. You know, people, oh no, we should be socialistic, everybody should have everything free. It's like, well, wait a minute, why are you segregating? America is we the people of the United States of America. I don't care if you're to the left, to the right, express your opinion and don't put somebody down for their opinion. Mm. But whether someone is right or somebody is wrong, we've got to stick together. We yeah. can't have a split nation. Right. And I think if we go forth with love and realize that it's going to be good in everything we do. Sure, yeah. Is that why you think people are afraid to, to, to say something, to put to launch a business, to create something in the world because they're gonna get so much hate or backlash or yes, rejection? That is correct. Because they're just afraid of the, the world. A lot of people are afraid because they look at both sides, how everyone is putting everybody down. As this one is saying, if you vote for them, you're gonna start losing jobs, mm -hmm. the economy is going down. Now, whether that's right or wrong, who knows, right? The other side, if you vote for this guy again, whatever, you know, look at all the misery that's gonna happen, wars, everyone hates us, I mean, it's one against the other. Yeah. Well, of course you'd be afraid. And then we're through a time in our lives where a lot of people aren't working, a lot of people are are saying a lot of things about other people. One of the great rules of life, and this guy wrote this great book, uh, God, was it the Four and Five Agreements? The Four the West, Agreements, Four yeah. Agreements, and they yeah, wrote no right. Five Agreements. One of them in there is the most important agreement of it all, and it is this. Do not spread gossip or put anybody down. Mm -hmm. You start spreading the wrong information to people, and all of a sudden you find out you were wrong. They told someone, they told someone else, they told somebody else, you're destroyed. Now you find, oh no, it wasn't true. One of them is, don't be around people that gossip. Stay away from that. If there's bad news, don't give it out. Yeah. Look at the higher side, the positive side, because you tell one person, and if they're low on the tone scale, they're gonna tell another. And if someone's really down, they're low or angry or upset, they're gonna say, oh yeah, this is the truth, and tell others yeah. to kind of agree with how they're down, how everyone should be down, because look how bad things are. Yeah. Opposed to, no, 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 things aren't that bad. That's why I'd love to share the story with you and your podcast. You let people see the truth by people knowing 
following, I started Paul Mitchell with seven hundred dollars. My mm. partner threw in three fifty. My mom put in some money, not even knowing that's what she was doing. <laughs> and I put a little bit. America still works. It's we the people. All this negativity. Don't pay attention to it. Look at the higher side. Yes, there's things wrong. There have been things wrong with our lives for millenniums. My God, maybe for lifetimes. Okay, but each time we're getting better. Yeah. Each time, yeah. whether you like that president or not, that's in there. There's something good you could find out that's been done to please all of us. Sure. Look at the upper side. Look at the past people. There's something good that's being done. And when you move forward, if you move forward with a positive attitude, no matter who becomes president, you help our country become better instead right. of stalling and saying, well, I'm not going to do anything because I don't like that president. Sure. It's we the people of the United States yeah. of America. And it's we the people on business. Don't be afraid. Put your message out there. Put it out there. It's okay. So many people are afraid to put their message out because, well, that might be too much this way, too much that way. Ooh, people may consider that instead of solar energy, it's a new form of energy. I've been only talking about solar energy, otherwise I'm gonna be big in trouble, you know? Right. Be free. God wants you to be free. He created you in his image. He wants you to be free to speak your word. If someone doesn't agree, that's their problem. But don't put anybody down for saying their word or yeah, their products yeah. or their slew. And don't be afraid to start something. People, we started Paul Mitchell when it was the worst scenario ever <laughs> with no money. We weren't afraid. We believed in ourselves with all the doors closed. We kept on going forward. When the going's tough, the tough get going. That's true, yeah. It seems like people are, are more afraid of the fear of rejection oh, than, yes. actually, than actually being rejected. It's like they've never even been rejected, yeah. but they're just afraid that it might happen in the future. How does someone learn to overcome the fear of potentially great, being rejected? Great question, okay? First of all, what is fear? Fear is the unknown. Mm -hmm. It's the only reason people are afraid. They're afraid because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what this person's going to do. They're afraid. They don't know the outcome. So if you're fearful, find the problem or find the unknown. Even in a problem, there's an unknown. Mm -hmm. When the unknown is exposed, there's no longer a problem. Find the unknown and go forward. How and do don't create things because they yeah. don't exist. Were you ever afraid of rejection personally? Or since you uh, were just doing door to door for so long and tried so many different things that you would experience so much rejection that you embraced it. Is that how you got overcame the fear of it? I could tell you the one that is the funniest of them all. I'm 11 years old. I'm in Atwater, California, walking up uh, Boise Street, I think it was, with my friend Michael Vucic, who sold in Sac who sold uh, papers with me. And we came up with the greatest idea. Let's make a song. We'll go together with our newspaper in hand. We'll go door to door. We'll split the orders. We got a dollar for every new order, by the way. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of money when we were sure. kids, right? We'll split it, you know, uh, and together we'll present it. And we came up with a song. And the song was, good evening, good evening. We're the Examiner Boys. If you'll subscribe to the Examiner, we'll sing a song for you Ooh, like that, right? So Michael and I never did this before. We went to our first door and knocked, had our papers. The minute he opened doors, we started singing. The minute we were done, we looked at each other and just ran away. This guy thought we were nuts. We just ran away. That was the only time after that we could do anything. <laughs> and yes, you get a lot of rejection. But when I actually got out there and door to door sales, exactly encyclopedias, it struck it with me. You must knock on all the doors overcome that rejection. I would say I learned more about overcoming rejection for the uh, four years. I sold encyclopedias door-to-door -door commission mm -hmm. only than one could years. ever imagine. Yep, four years. Wow. Average guy lasts three years. So yeah, and when I got out of the Navy in uh, 64 to 65, 66, 67, three years. Three years wow. I sold books. You know, after the Navy. Yeah, after the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. What was the big lesson you learned while being in the Navy? 
Greatest lesson I learned is uh, when I was in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago and I received the Lone Sailor Award, I gave the lesson out. Being in the Navy, I was a normal, everyday human being, okay? Uh, and I became an officer many years after I got out of the Navy and an admiral, but that's a whole different story. But being in the United States Navy as an enlisted man, what I learned was I graduated from high school. I was a common person. How a bunch of common people could get together and be trained properly, but as a team, they achieve extraordinary results. Boy, did I learn that lesson, meaning that you can't do it alone. I'm a common person. But let's get us mm. ordinary people together, be taught properly, and as a team, we achieve extraordinary results. That I learned out of the Navy. And I thought it was a great thing to do. And of course, how to really be neat with my clothes. <laughs> you know, really neat and package them. And, yeah. and how to listen to people when you may not agree with them. But there you have no choice. When they say do something, you just do it. You okay, do the it. command. <laughs> but I learned how to do that easily. So it was an easy segue for me to go along with other people I didn't agree with, but I would listen to them. Yeah. And I learned the famous word selling encyclopedias. When someone said no, or even not selling, somebody had a, we were talking about something, and someone has a different viewpoint than mine. I learned the magical words. I could appreciate that, however. So you could tell me that, oh, this is white. I said, well, no, no, it's black. We're not gonna go back and forth. I'm gonna say, you know, I can appreciate that. I can say, however, from my viewpoint, with my lens, it turns out to be black, you know, but we all see things a little differently. Sure. And here's why through my lens is doing it. I'm agreeing with you. I, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. Sure. It's like even in selling. Would you like this? No, sorry, we have too many lines. Well, you know, I could appreciate that. I really can. However, if you would just take half of this order, I will not only guarantee it'll be one of the greatest things you'll mm. ever have, but within one month, anything you haven't sold out the door or used, We'll take back and give you your money back. Now, that's fair enough, isn't mm. it? No, I'm sorry, no. Why should I push your line? You're in no line and I have all these other lines, the big ones. I could appreciate that. However, I know you're going to succeed with this. There's no way you can lose money. I'll come back, hold a class with you. I would do that three times. And in most cases, by the third time, they at least bought one or two bottles from me. Wow. Sometimes they bought nothing from me, okay? Like for a whole week, I made 12 sales and I think I'm pretty good at presenting something. It was tough. <laughs> but I stuck with it. And then I made more and more as time went on. I'm curious about what you learned in the Navy and how you applied it to business from this teamwork mentality. Was sure. there something you learned in the Navy that actually you saw within the first year, five years of Paul Mitchell that you were able to apply, that accelerated oh. the growth? Oh, definitely, is give normal people that are ordinary people an opportunity to achieve on their own. JP, I will need you so much. So to go to the next step, I needed a Luke Jacob Ellis, I need a Jim, I need Henrietta. I need more people to know what the heck they're doing, okay, because I don't. But mm. I know if we get together as a team, we'll be able to succeed. And that's where I learned, and it was the hardest lesson to learn, because really? I wanted to do everything, be in charge of this and that and that. In the late 80s, I couldn't do that anymore. So getting into 1989, 1990, it was let's bring the others in and work together as a team. Well, along the way, I was lucky. Some really brilliant people that had already done something great already got involved with us but that's where I learned it you know you can't mm. do it all you need a team to work with when did you realize that uh, the company started to really take off when was that year that it, it doubled it quadrupled we it? started in 80 right uh -huh. throughout 80 we barely made it throughout 80 81 we barely made it after we were in business two years the big point of ah oh, thank you God the big point right <laughs> was my partner and I, he came over with his girlfriend from Hawaii. We were in LA together and we were able to 
pay our bills on time. <laughs> Not pay them off, but pay them on time and have $4,000 left over, $2,000 each. We said, my God, we made it. We are paying our bills on time and we have extra money. Yay, we made it. Then we knew, great, we made it, right? For us, that was huge because it was really week to week that we even lived. Mm -hmm. If you went to college, I think, and got a big degree, they said, get out, don't even start that business, just get out, because every week there's no way the hell you're gonna make it, guys. But that was the aha moment. It wasn't wow. maybe in anyone else's eyes, but in our eyes, it was gigantic. A, a what a win. Deal. We paid our bills on time, on time. <laughs> and when was the moment or the year that you realized, wow, like I don't need to worry about money anymore with this business? When was it like, okay, there's an abundance coming in. I, you know, I don't have to stress about this anymore, paying my bills, having enough money to pay. Five for years in business, 1985. Really? It was enough where enough money started coming in where there was a little extra, not just to start to pay off the little house payment, right. but also put some money aside. Yeah, that, that's when it started in 1985, five years in business. Where you would call money, it was building up to that point, where at that point it was, yeah, you know, I this is enough, and I'm gonna go okay for the rest of my life. And the first thing I wanna do, and I would suggest to everybody, if you run into a lot of money, first thing you ever do, pay off your house. Pay your house off, okay? And even if it's a 1% interest rate, pay it off. Because Why is that? Because if everything goes wrong, you have a place to live, okay? When you pay on your way to paying your house off, have enough money in a bank, which is the worst place to put your money because you make no money in your bank. You go negative today, right, your bank. Have enough to win their cash on hand for six months of living. What's your mortgage payment? What's your insurance? Go to the movie theater, food. So if everything went wrong, like what happened these last several months with this uh, pandemic going on, mm -hmm. you know you're gonna survive even if you didn't have a job for six months. So you have that in the bank while you're doing that, pay it off. Now, once you have a home, you have that in the bank, now your next thing to do is to put enough money aside, don't raise your standard of living much at all, raise it very little, okay? That extra money, invest it somehow, where if everything went wrong, you have that six months now for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take that much money to do it, right? You have that. Once you have that, never touch that. That is secure, never mortgage it, keep it all safe, and then go on with whatever else you wanna build. At least yeah. you and your family can live okay in a house and support yourself for the rest of your life. Sure, and in your opinion, what do you think is the best investment an entrepreneur should make? Say they, they're at year three to five, like you were at, they started to make some money finally, they've got an extra 100 grand, 500 grand, maybe even a million dollars in the Ooh. bank that they brought in pretty quickly, that this money that they've never had before, right. it's there. What would you say they should do with their money? Should they put it back into their business, all of it? Should they diversify in real estate, start another business? What would you suggest? We put everything in because we had nothing. That's why it took two, because we had nothing. So it mm -hmm. took two years to even have a couple thousand dollars. If your bills are paid already, mm -hmm. and you have this extra abundance of money, if you're fortunate enough to have that, and in America, you can. Even homeless people like me made it, okay? Right, right. You know, you have it. Is six months, is that in the bank? How do we pay this mortgage off? So I have a home. Okay, mm -hmm. and then from there, you want is very, very important. There's so many great opportunities out there. And I've lost money in new business, everything. Invest in your business before you invest in anyone else's business. Wow. I've lost money investing in other people's businesses. And if you're not gonna invest in other pe your own business, if you have more than enough, before you start investing in someone else's business, remember this. If that year, and I tell a lot of friends of my entertainment the same thing, big years entertainment, right? This year that you're working, you made this money, that's it, you'll never make another dime. 
So if this is what you made that year, where would you put it? And do that every mm. single year till you have such an abundance that when you start investing in other people, it's not gonna hurt you or your family as time goes on. But invest in your business before anyone else's business. Right. Because you have control of it and you know what comes out of it. That's true. Did you ever um, start investing in real estate or stock market eventually? And, and was that something that you would recommend for people or just stay focused yeah, on your own business? Yeah, you know, when you get in the stock market, you know, you can make and you can lose a lot in the oh, stock market. My quickly. Yeah, yeah, my suggestion, don't hit the stock market. You know, yeah. wait a little while. And if you do invest in the stock market, man, look at companies that have been around for decades yeah. that have growth through the 80s, 90s, and do that have growth every single year. Even though they go up and down, their growth is every single mm -hmm. year, okay? Look at those companies. There are some that may pay a dividend out. They've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Don't gamble that money. Real estate is good, but a lot of people over-mortgage. They'll get into real estate for 20% or less and buy it at a high market. All of a sudden, the market drops, and they still owe that to the bank, and it dropped below the 20% profit. And the sale of that, with the commission for the person who sells it, where now they're upside down. I remember in the 80s when I didn't have any money, okay, in the early days, I had a friend of mine that was a multimillionaire, right? Mm. 23 million on paper, wow. okay? Real estate mainly. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Going into the 90s, the real estate market dropped flat on its heels, right? He overmortgaged himself. He would buy this. He'd overmortgage, buy this, buy this. All of a sudden, he couldn't sell anything because it was worth less than what he owed on it, wow. and he went bankrupt. Never mortgage your future. Don't mortgage. Uh, credit cards, pay them off in full. Don't keep charging your credit card. Pay it off in full. Every You're, month, pay it off. Pay yeah. it off in full. Every And if you can't pay it off in full, don't charge anything to it. Mm. Just People got lessons, yeah. credit cards, three, four, we'll charge this one, all of a sudden they're upside down. I'm 37 right now. Can you remember where you were at in 37? 
Yeah, I can remember exactly where I was at at 37 years old. Paul Mitchell is now three years old, maybe four years old. I'm here in Los Angeles living here and building a company and just starting to make some money that year, just starting to make some. Because we already made our 2,000 each after two sure, years. Sure, sure. So as I get closer to 40, what advice would you have to your 40-year-old self that you wish you would have done then to help you where you're at now? Is there anything that you, whether it be in personal relationships, whether it be in business, your physical health, what advice would you say, ah, JP, yeah. You really need to focus on this at 40 because for the next decade, yep. here's why it's going to be important. I would say if I could change that and go back, it would be to spend some time just being a being. Not just a being. doing. No, no, just being not a, a being. Do, not a doing, but a no, being. No, no, just, in other words, spend some time, whether it's meditating, whether it's the middle of the day, just stop you for 10 minutes and just try and clear your mind. Look around you, maybe go outside the trees, the sky, just be. If one could just be and look at something where you're just being, all of a sudden you see you're not just being through your eyes, there's something more around you that's seeing through these eyes. Just be. Calm yourself and think. Mm. Many decisions I made in those days that were very quick without even thinking, they were emotional decisions. Had I had thought about them overnight, it would have been a little different. And don't always believe what the other person tells you. Sometimes they lead you the wrong way. Sure. These are the advice I would give. And just give love. And if someone is in your life, big lesson to be learned. If someone that's in your life that's very negative, always gossiping about somebody else, always doing stuff that doesn't make any sense, detach from them. Don't be around down, downtown people is what I call it. Someone that's negative and just complains all the time, whether it's physically or just whatever, they complain all the time, get away from those people. You could love them, but love them from afar. Like, oh, I love you, but stay over there. You don't have to say those words, <laughs> sure, sure. you know, but just stay away from them. I've had experience in my own life, whether it's for family, just other people, I thought we're the greatest, but all they do is blame everything else on everybody else. It's their fault, their fault, their fault. Well, yeah, maybe it was a little my fault, but they're really the person. No, it's you and what you did to get you there. If something went wrong, why don't you get away from that and divorce yourself from it and mm. do what's right? Or if you did something wrong, and I'd happen to me when I was in my late 30s, early 40s, I would do something wrong. I would justify it. Oh, no, it's that person's fault. No, I didn't do this. No, no, no. Stubbornly. But it was my fault. I justified it. Mm -hmm. Just realize there's something called justification, where human beings are implanted, I think, with the idea of it's not my fault. I want to be right, not wrong. It's okay to be wrong. That's how you learn. Because when you start justifying, you're lying to yourself and lying to others, right? Yeah, okay, I screwed up. Or I don't want to talk about it because there's nothing I really want to go into. Don't lie, don't justify it. Just take it on as yourself and be you. Be in your own universe, not the effect of everyone else's universe. Sure. And how long have you been uh, married for? Uh, 27 years. I always are married in 93. 27 years. What's the greatest lesson your wife taught you that you started to apply to your business that supported your business, being with her? Actually, wonderful lady, not only beautiful in appearance, she's probably the most beautiful woman in the world, but also beautiful with her heart. She's a very, very good person. And from her I learned, I don't know about that person. Mm. Feel them out a little bit, okay? I feel something wrong here. And she would say that, you know, I feel something wrong there. And I would go, okay, but I don't see that. But I didn't look at what she was feeling. I looked at the entity and what's coming out of it, opposed to feeling the being in the individual, mm. where she would feel it more than I would. And on several people she talked about, she was 100% correct. 
Why don't they turn to be ripoffs later on? 100% correct. But one of the greatest lessons I learned was from my friend John Capra, my buddy of over 50 years. And he said, you know the best way to get along with your wife, especially if she says, look what you did, right? He says, I want to teach you some magic words, okay? She says, why did you do this? All the wives or your husbands, whatever, significant others say, well, why did you do that, right? He taught me the most magical words. He says, just look her in the eye and say, it's the truth. I don't know. I just did it. She'll immediately come back. Yeah, because you're a guy. You have no feelings. You got to have feelings, right? The most magical words. I don't know. It's the truth. We many times don't know why we did things until we find out in life why we do things, right? And we correct them. But if you don't know why you did just, I don't know, all of a sudden there's no argument. There's no hidden thing. Right. It's all done. You know, well, it's that's because you don't have feelings, whatever. It's over. Don't say, well, this is wrong. You go head to head, right? Great lesson. Yeah. What do you think is the greatest negotiation you've ever made in your life? Whether it be personal negotiation with yourself, with a, a spouse, a family member, business deal, what's the greatest negotiation you've made? I think the greatest negotiation I've ever did was a no negotiation where I had every right to negotiate, just you're right and I want the world to know this, okay? And that was when I was a guest, uh, a guest appearance, three and a half, four years ago on Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. A guy came out there, overvalued his tree teepee, something you would put around a tree so it grows better, you use less water, less fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. It was the incredible, far, the right? The farmer guy, right? The farmer guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny George's. Mm -hmm. And it was like all the other you sharks. Invest, you invested in him, right? Oh, everything. Yeah. There was everything, they were, well, they were, and they were right. He was overpriced. Everyone wanted to make more money. You can't sell him for $6. You got to sell him for $12. We need our profit. But I sat back and listened to him. I could have negotiated him down. 25% still got it like that. But in my mind, it was the negotiation is you are a farmer. America needs farmers. I'm giving you everything you need because we're going to show people we need farmers. They replayed mm -hmm. that show, I believe, over 200 times in the last three and a wow. half years. People have seen it weeks or months ago and said, I just saw you in Shark Tank. I shot that and filmed that three and a half, four years ago. That negotiation was, he was so right, there's no need for negotiation. He was so right. But if ever you're going to negotiate for somebody, just think about this. They may start over here. You may start over there. But what's fair where everybody wins? Or everybody only loses a little bit, but everybody wins in the end because it's fair. Right. If you go just for you and all of a sudden you topple the other side, they'll regret it. Okay, and there'll be covert hostility. Mm. So when you negotiate, well, yes, we want something fair, but fair for both, not just more fair for me and less fair for you or sure. vice versa. Let's just set where we both benefit. We go on as friends. Big lesson to be learned. Wow. And I've been there before where I wanted more tip towards me in my younger days, but that's so many decades ago, you know, and uh, knowing this has been one of the greatest helps in the last 30 years with me. Wow. What's the strategy you go into when you're making a business deal, a partnership, a negotiation of any kind? Right. What's the mindset you go into thinking about? Is it the outcome you want? Is it how do I uh, connect with this person in a certain way? What, where do you go there? Well, in many cases, is what I'm looking at something I want, and is it going to do the greatest good for the greatest number? Mm. Today, I look at who I'm with. I'll give you a couple of examples, okay? I did something in North Africa, oil and gas, all right? put a lot of money in there. It didn't happen. I was sued by people in the country that were very, very powerful. Not one attorney would represent me. 
Of course, they found us guilty, made it five, 10 times whatever what they should have even asked for in the first place, took years for them. I, I couldn't even get an attorney, right? When we came to the United States, and that's for the next thing I'm gonna give you. When we came to the United States, I lost in one judicial system, but they brought it back and I won. I won in a federal court, I won in the appellate court, and the Supreme Court refused to say, no, this is fine. We're not going to review this period, right? But I stuck by it all the time. I stuck by it. And that lesson to be learned there huh. is be careful who you do business with, okay? Because those that you think you could trust can turn on you for financial reasons, period. I've had people sue me saying that, oh, you fired this person and it was your fault and you did it so it saved you millions of dollars. Biggest bunch of I've heard in my life. Mm. That's the story they came up with. Right. It was amazing. So when you're there, a lot of people come after you and you figure, how unjust is this? This is totally unjust. How dare can you? So here's the next phrase I want to give everybody. Put it on your mirror, especially if you're down and you're going through troubled times and you can't sleep at night. And the quote is this, in the end, everything will be okay, dot, dot, dot. And if it's not okay, dot, 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 it's not the end. The dot, dot, dot is pause. In the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. I look back at some of my big situations where people falsely have accused me of stuff. I didn't do it, which really pissed me off, right? I'm on some lady's website for 10 years. I've never met in my life. And she says me and her husband were in cahoots against her. I've never met this lady in my life. She doesn't know me. But every bit of that she can bring up or lies or extracts, she brings up with just, she takes a little thing. I mean, just why would you do this to me? But I learned in the end, everything's gonna be okay as long mm. as you know yourself. So if someone has this, no matter what you're in, and think about it in your own life, whether it was financial or with an affair you had with somebody in your life or with your mom or dad, just something went mm. wrong. In the end, it came out okay. But during that time, you worried, you were fearful, you didn't know the outcome. There was an unknown. Yeah. It usually turns out, in the end, everything's gonna be okay. And fear is your biggest obstacle. Yeah. And it usually turns out to be okay. Yeah. You talked about trust for a moment there. I'm curious, how do you know when you can fully trust someone you're going into a business deal with or partnership with? How do you know you can trust that person's not gonna screw you yeah, over? Yeah, you don't know that, okay, going in. <laughs> bring, bring your wife. Yeah, because what, you're, no, but what yeah. you're looking at is what the entity is and you're looking at, is it a good business? Is it a good return for me? That's what you normally look at. Mm. If you're together in life as well, how would it affect other people in a good way? And how many jobs can I create, right? That's mm. normally the majority of every people's focus, okay? My wife did this early on. I did this more in the last 10 years, where if I'm sitting talking to someone about business, I look for how I feel the entity. And I could be fooled. I was fooled by one guy. When I realized where he was coming from, I went in there, took it away from him because he was cheating and stealing from everybody, right? Or stealing from me. And divorced myself from this individual and went on forward. And the, the entity became bigger because of that. Mm. So even I got fooled. So you can be fooled. But I would definitely check people out. Their references and, you know, it costs very little to check people out these yeah. days. What their history is, people around them, what's been their history? And you could still be fooled. Do you think it's harder to become successful as an entrepreneur and make you know a million dollars in sales or $10 million in sales or whatever it is when you launch your business, or is it harder to sustain success year after year and continue to make that? Very good question. It's both. It's hard getting something off the ground if it's brand new. That's very, very hard. Yeah. But then, and so, so many people get it off the ground. A restaurant went off the ground. But the big thing is, how do you keep that success going? How do you keep your wealth? It's like people that absorb and get a lot of wealth. They won the lottery. They inherited money from a relative. They didn't work, they just got free money, right? 
Thank God they gamble on lottery, got free money. I believe the statistics are 90 some odd percent of it lose it all within five years. Mm. Lose all within five years. So be very careful along the way, careful the people you're around and be conservative. This mm. is the last money I'll ever make. Do I want to trust with that investment or that person or put it someplace safer for right now? Yeah, or put it back into my own business. Oh, your own business. Your own business is the best place to put it. What do you think are the, the three things that every wannabe entrepreneur should think about before they start their own business? Be ready for rejection. Make sure your service, your product is the best they is so people want to reorder. And be prepared to do all the things unsuccessful people don't want to do. Which are Work what? Is, Work as many hours as you have to, as many doors as your approach to, and they say no, as many people are no. And then once you have a product, once you have a product, how do you make it better all the time? And Paul Mitchell, all year long, we have many people working on the next generation of products or how to make our existing products better. We never let that go. Paul Mitchell's been in business 40 years, and I think with the exception of one, maybe two years, we've grown every year. Those other years, those other couple years, something went, went on like what was going on right here with mm -hmm. this pandemic in our country and throughout the world, where maybe we went down, but only a little bit, a little teeny bit. So we've been <laughs> on strict high growth for 40 years, but we also look at what can we do to help salons? How can we help beauty salons? And now Paul Mitchell Schools. How can we can hairdressers become more successful? We started Paul Mitchell Schools 20 years ago where a hairdresser not just got a license, but they learned in cosmetology school, mm. the Paul Mitchell schools, how to be a better person, how to love mm. yourself, how to love others, how to get along with people. Personal growth. Oh, personal yeah, yeah. growth. Oh yeah, it's taught. And how to be a successful hairdresser in her Paul Mitchell schools, which people come out loving one another. So I mean, it's, it's fabulous that people come out of our schools. And I think we have about 16, 15, 16,000 students now graduating. Wow. We're coast to coast. We have over 100 schools coast to coast. And people just shine. But we take a different attitude one of love, how to love yourself, and love is one that's around you. Not many businesses can say they've been growing year after year for 40 years, yeah. except for a couple maybe sure. small, smaller years. Sure. What do you think has been the reason that you've been able to do that and you haven't made mistakes where it's gone down in a big way or gone bankrupt? Why have you been able to sustain that for 40 years? And we make boo-boos along the way, but we correct them, we, yeah, yeah. we learn. I think the main thing is people. Because we love our people, our people love who they're doing business with, who they're doing business for, and who their business is around. Salons know that these guys kept their word. Oh my God, in 1980 when they started, up to present day, they say, we're never gonna desert you. This will always stay in the professional beauty industry. So no matter where Paul Mitchell is sold, somehow it goes back to the salon. So they, they receive something, whether mm -hmm. it's in the salon or else, it's always in this industry, no other right, one. Right. Yeah, yeah, everyone says that. Well, what happened since that time? A lot of the big businesses at that time went out of business. A lot of my competitors, big good competitors, sold to big conglomerates, mm -hmm. right? And they did whatever they did, but that's their world, not my world. We kept on saying we're only staying in the professional beauty industry, and people wanted glue on that. How committed is this people? In 2004, a hairdresser raised her hand at one of the lectures I was giving at a hair show and said, Mr. JP, you're the only one that hasn't sold out. All your competitors <laughs> sold another company. Right. You're still here. And you say you'll always support this industry. What if you die? Again, we're going for longevity, right? I said, good point. So I had my attorneys and my accountants search everywhere in the United States. Where could I park my controlling interest? I own more than 50% of Paul Mitchell. Where could I park it? So even if something happens to me, it stays in the professional beauty industry. <laughs> they found a 360 year US trust. <laughs> I could put it in. Wow. So even if something happened to me, it stays intact. 
Now, I could have 50 beneficiaries. Their percentage goes to it, but it stays intact mm -hmm. in the professional beauty industry. And you know, like Michael Lean, my daughter's a genius, okay? Mikey, you oversee it for now. And along the way, we find other people that oversee it. Alexis, John Anthony, you yeah. find people that are responsible. Worst thing you can do is turn over to your business, to your family, and there's people in your family that are not responsible. Well, you're gonna go downhill, okay? If there's turning it over, they are in there helping people out, okay? Not saying I'm in full control like an ego thing at all. Right. So I set it up or was set up no matter what happens, it stays in professional beauty industry. My family can help pick certain people out, mm -hmm. okay, and direct mm -hmm. it, but it's gotta stay professional. Yeah. And there was a law you had to put in there where you gotta have something if it goes down, right? Then they can't sell. Well, the down in there, our worst year is so little, I mean, that's almost like a startup year for sure, us. Sure. I mean, it's never gonna hit that, right? So sure. it made it all legal, mm. now and in the years to come. And we have about 340 some odd years left on it. Sure. So when I'm long gone and others are long, long gone, and the profession, they had a guy that made a promise that had nothing along with my partner, Paul Mitchell at the time, right? We made a promise this industry and we kept our promise that even though we're gone, it's gonna stay in the professional wow. beauty industry. That's cool. That's commitment. That's great. Longevity. Not many people do that. Nope, no one did our, I think we're yeah. the only in the industry that I know right that's, now that's ever done something like that because why? What if we sold out and made all this money? That's what the others did. Yeah. I read somewhere, I don't know if this stat is correct or not, but I read that you're the third richest shark that's been on Shark Tank with your net worth. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but you've got billions in net worth. And I'm curious, your point of view, what's the difference between someone who's worth a million dollars and someone who's worth a billion dollars? What's the mindset that separates a millionaire and a billionaire? I would say the mindset I could give you my case was how to keep what I have and what I give away on part of the giving pledge, okay, yeah. goes to a good result. Because we're all of my companies give, we give mm -hmm. personally, and I have a foundation, JP's Peace, Love, and Happiness yeah. Foundation that helps also. It's what do those dollars do that do the greatest good for the greatest numbers that help them reach the next step? Where can we put money? Mm. Not to give away, but invest money, not ever wanting in return as a charity, that'll help somebody reach the next stage, the next stage, the next stage. I'm a firm believer that on this planet, we come with absolutely nothing, okay? And whatever we get, we're blessed with. It's like paying a rent a little bit for our time on earth. And if we're lucky enough to have that abundance, share it with others. So the big thing is, in my case, where does it go? It has nothing to do with, do I have power? Do I have this? Do I have that? Is where can I go with it? And of course, you can pay your bills on time or sure, pay them sure, off sure. on time, right? But it's where do you, when you go, after you get into the millions, it's where can I secure my family for the future? But after I secure my family, mm -hmm. when I do these other investments, how can I affect hundreds of thousands of people, hopefully millions in my life, so they have a good life long after I'm here and a good life while I'm here? Right. The animals, mm -hmm. Sea Shepherd included, the animals, World Wildlife, I mean, the animals as well as the humans, anything with a soul in it, the trees that have living souls in them, you know? What can I do to keep this whole thing going sure. on if I was lucky enough to enjoy it at this time? So would you say for you personally, it's more of a giving mindset that yep. separates the millionaire and the billionaire? Yep, I would say you gotta have it in there. The giving mindset. Yeah, and not just give me, give me, give me, greed, 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 greed. How can I at one time realize I have what I have and let's just make sure it's shared with others yeah. and businesses I have. We have bonuses, we have, a fact that Paul Mitchell, first thing I did was, remembering how I didn't have free lunch, mm. is when we could afford to give everybody free lunch, we still do. Wow. We still give them free lunch.
Swing into Seaside Golf in Ocean City, Maryland. Play like a pro at 17 championship courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicholas and Arthur Hills. Tee off on sweeping vistas at Eagle's Landing. Savor the coastal views of Lighthouse Sound. Or see why Ocean City Golf Club is considered one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all-in on a golf getaway, fun is always in play at Ocean City, Maryland. Plan your trip at OCOcean.com. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Because I can remember when I had one dollar and you couldn't get a lot for a dollar right, right. for lunch, you know? I'm sure you've got a lot of wealthy friends. Is that a similar theme that you see with your billionaire friends of they now think, how can I contribute, make impact, give back? Or is this something just you and a few people do that you know of? Uh, m- mostly it's with my friends that are part of the giving pledge. Yes. And some that aren't part of the giving pledge are very, very big givers, you know, yeah. but the giving pledges, I think there's about 170, 180 of us that yeah. are US citizens. Warren Buffett is one of them. Yeah, and you know, Gates, I go on and on. It's good people that say, we've done so well. We appreciate this goodness that while we're alive or after we die, or a combination of the two, we're to give half, half our wealth to making the world a better place to live. Why did you decide to be a part of that, that, that pledge? Why was that important for you? We were invited to join Warren and Bill uh, for a very small dinner in Dallas, Texas. We live in Austin. We went mm-hmm. to Dallas. And first time I met the two of them, very gracious people. They talked about not what they should do with their money, but here's the giving pledge. Here's what we're doing. And we'd like to invite you to join us if you want to. What is the advantage? Like minds are all together. We never solicit business off one another. Mm, we don't do that. Nice. It's we have our seminars that the Gates Foundation puts on and regardless of whether you agree with what they do with their money or not, that's up to an individual. But they put on a seminar and during those couple of days, we see the various ways people have contributed like, okay, in education, how do we do it better? What are the pitfalls? What should we look for in human welfare, in water? What are the different things? So we mm-hmm. learn from one another how to really get the most out of what we're giving and the most joy out of it. Yeah. And, and, and of course, we have a camaraderie. We get together and appreciate one another. I love this idea of a, this collective mind. I, I call it a mastermind in my industry. It's mm-hmm. where, where other great minds get together in our space and we try to collaborate Correct. and share ideas. How important is that for an individual who's working at a job to have their own personal advisory board or mastermind mm-hmm. group of other smart people or for entrepreneurs to have a mastermind of people in the industry they connect with? Yeah. How powerful is that for If people? you can, it's great. I was asked once a question when I was one of the two finalists for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year, right? And I remember in the final interview or with everyone in the audience, they said, well, how about consultants? What do you feel about consultants? And this, the company was just starting, but doing pretty good. Yeah, we're five years, six years in business. And my answer was the dumbest one in the world. We don't need consultants. We're doing it on our own. We'll probably do it a different way anyways. Worst answer I could ever give. And I thought about it afterwards. Are you kidding? I just never had anybody consult with me other than my friend, John McCormick, who gave me some advice. That was it. Are you kidding? I would have loved to have a consultant or someone around me that really knew what was going on. So if in your business, you could find people like that, even one or two that have done it before, or even a segment, it could be in a different industry. 
God, go to them for advice. It's right. priceless. They know. Even if they failed at that business, they know some of the shortfalls. Yeah. What are some non-negotiables you do for yourself every day? Whether it be a, a personal practice, a meditation, uh, seeing your family in a certain way, uh, you know, sleeping a certain amount. Is there certain rituals or non-negotiables you have? Well, I'm a pretty positive guy, so I normally yeah. just wake up happy. <laughs> when I first get up, I kind of just stay a few minutes still in bed to be in present time. And if my mind's going a million miles an hour, I'll look at different parts of the room or the bed and just be. Whether it's closing my eyes, and if a hundred things enter my mind, I just in the middle, just look straight ahead, and I think of just one thing, I am. I am here, and it's me, it's my entity. And I focus in the words, I am. I am a being, I'm on this planet, it'll be a good day. And I usually say every morning, creator of souls, so no matter what religion you're in, something created this, okay? Creator of souls, thank you for all the goodness that you have given me. I so appreciate it. That's usually a ritual for me in the morning, and then I go about my day. How important is gratitude for you as a, huge, an individual? Huge, and for me to even say it, you know, thank you. I'm so in gratitude for this wonderful life I have. And I tell people all along to do something good. And I also thank my body at times, mm-hmm. legs. Thank you for at 76 years old, yeah, great able to do livers. Yeah. I mean, incredible thing, you know, <laughs> mind, thank you for still thinking, and soul and heart, thank you for being open enough to learn things. I wish I would have learned, you know, 25, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but I'm learning them now. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, stomach, for digesting the food. You know, I'm so appreciative. Thank you, those that gave me, hey, eat some veggies along the way. You know, maybe meat's not the best thing for you. You know, maybe domesticated animals with all these things in them aren't good for you. Maybe you should do a little something else, you know? Thank you. Thank you for giving me the mind and still feeling good doing this. Wow. And what do you think are two or three non-negotiables that every entrepreneur should have on a daily basis to help them thrive in their business? Yeah. Don't let anybody take you away from you is number one. Still remain yourself no matter what you do. What Be is, yourself. What does that mean? Don't let anybody That means that don't let anybody change you unless it's for the better. Okay, if somebody wants you to do something you're not happy doing and it's not something that's the greatest good for the greatest number, say no for any amount of money in the world. Say no. Mm-hmm. You can say no. It's okay. All right? Or you can say, I can appreciate that. However, I don't think it's a thing for me. <laughs> no, that's got to be part of what you're doing. Next thing is, don't let anybody take you away from your own decision making. Mm. And if you want to know it, anything, is this the right thing to do? And you even question it. Don't do it then. Say, let me sleep on it like most people. I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then have a moment just to be. Don't think about it, just to be. Just be with yourself and your own spirit. Once you have that five or 10 minutes, you can do that with just yourself or your own spirit. Then when you think about it, things come to your mind immediately that are usually the answer. Yeah. Go with the feeling, not just the analytical reason. Yeah. Do a combination of the two. That's good. Now your dad was gone at what, two years old? Is yeah, that right? before I was two. He was a deadbeat dad. Did you ever reconnect? And, and Yep. Still a deadbeat. We connected when uh, we were teenagers, 12 and 13 for a week, and that didn't work out really good. He just, you know, wasn't, wasn't a dad-dad. But, you know, we still appreciate him as our mm-hmm. father. And, uh, yeah. And then we reconnected once again when we were in our 20s, and I reconnected very briefly uh, when I had Paul Mitchell going maybe around the age of 40 or so, just for a brief moment, because I was in an area and I found him. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, let's say his life because of his actions and always blaming everybody else for something or hitting the bottle or the smoking. He was a, he was a habitual smoker, habitual drinker, right? Just got the best of him, you know, and uh, he never went out of where he was at. If you do things the same way every time, you got to expect the same results. Mm-hmm. So if things aren't good for you, well, what is it that I could change 
And maybe if I do something a little differently, it'll be okay. It'll be hard to go through this chain, but I want to go up here, not stay down yeah. here. And then you do what successful people do. You do all the things the others don't want you to get out of it. Yes, it's hard to stop drinking, stop drinking. Hard to stop smoking, but just do it. You're going to die. And then have a more cheerful attitude. Don't be around negative people. Mm -hmm. You know, be around people that are more up. What was the lesson he taught you in his absence of not being there for you? My mom was the greatest. I never thought of him not being there for me. And I say it in good fortune, the documentary was made on me. There was only one time it ever made in my mind. And that was at junior high school, Washington Irving Junior High. They had a father or son evening for the guys right in the gym. It was the only time I said, well, I can't go because I don't have a father to bring. That was the only time I really even thought about it. Other than that, my mom did such a good job with mm. love. She overshadowed with love. And I had an older brother that was almost two years older than me. And that was great. But my mom was solid. She was so mm. loving. I didn't miss the other half. Wow. It was never there. I was two years old. You know, it was never there. How did you learn to kind of father yourself? Or did, did your mom do a great job of both? Mom did a great job. And my brother and I were together at the foster house. We kind of together pulled our way through it. Even though sometimes wow. they may not have been the best people towards us, we found a way to get through to help others in the foster home sure. that their parents never came around. Did you ever have any male mentors to kind of support you when you had tough questions or challenging nope, moments? No, nope, wasn't lucky enough. If I had a question, wow. I would ask my mom or try and solve it all on my own, or in most cases not solve it because I never asked anybody. Wow. Yeah. You've had such a fascinating life. You've done so many different things from door-to-door -door sales oh, to yes. the Navy to launching businesses, multiple business to being part of the giving pledge and giving back a ton of your money. Sure. Uh, starting all these charities, building cities for the homeless. You've done a lot of fascinating things. Is there anything missing for you in your life at this moment? Yeah, I'm just I'm just starting to do these things. One of the things that my purpose here is to do things that are created that benefit millions of people on our planet and hopefully going towards a billion people. Wow. And I've already started doing that in many continents where it's benefiting now hundreds of thousands of people, things that I've done or things that I've influenced. And it makes me feel good, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in South America, no matter where in the world we're doing this, whether it's for people in Taiwan or in Ta just all over the place, we do things to benefit them all. What's the thing you're most proud of that maybe no one knows about? I probably, uh, well, a couple of things. One, Food for Africa uh, with our Paul Mitchell schools and obviously a lot of money coming from me and others, we have some called Food for Africa. Uh, we personally, our little group takes care of about 7,000 little kids a day. Wow. They're all one day to early teens in age. They're all orphans of parents that died of AIDS or have HIV and they're dying right now. We clothe them, shelter them, educate them, protect them, and give them a chance in life. What's one question you wish more people would ask you? You know, I've never thought of that before, but while you're talking, the first thing that came into my mind is, how do you get settled in life and what is happiness? Uh. Happiness is you feel good and you remove the burden off your shoulder. I'll give you one burden right now to remove, okay? And a lot of people have come at me for no reason whatsoever, just they see money, 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 they lie, okay? <laughs> I forgive them. Is learn to forgive in your life. Yes. Everyone you hate, you're unhappy with, you want revenge with, you don't like, you're jealous of, anything other than positive about anyone that's hurt you or screwed you over in your life or you just hate them, okay? Forgive them. You don't have to tell them. You can say to yourself, I forgive you. Jerry, I forgive you for this. Uh, 
Mike, I forgive you for this. Henry, Madam, Isabel, I forgive you for this. Okay, I'm just going to forgive you. You're not going to be on my shoulders any longer. Anybody you're jealous of, anything you hate, just forgive them, period, and move on. Because what happens is we build on our shoulders and in our minds, hate, hate, resentment, resentment. If you ever find yourself at night going to bed and your mind's going a million miles an hour, somehow in there is something you want to change and you don't like someone because they did something, right? If you forgive everyone, if it pops your head, oh my God, I hate this person. Oh my God, what am I doing? I forgive this person. I don't care how bad they are because you suffer more than they will ever suffer. Yeah. And by the way, you don't have to believe this. You can go with your own beliefs. But if you think you've been only in this body one time, right, okay, and this is it, and you want to go for the religious route, which is great, okay, just know this. When you leave and go to heaven, or you go to another body, you've had on your shoulders hate and resentment going. If you're religious, every religion says forgive one another, and people don't. Mm -hmm. The minute you do that and test yourself, test it, mm -hmm. sit in a room all alone, and just forgive people, and you'll see all of a sudden, the room, your space is here. Your space <laughs> yeah. isn't right here. You're, all of a sudden, you become enlightened. And whenever it enters your mind, you hate somebody, you don't like this, someone's gossiping, forgive them, keep them away from you. And every time you do this, all of a sudden, there's an awareness about you. And get around positive people. Yeah. Uh, if you're around 10,000 people on this planet that are evolved humans, okay, we could change the whole planet. Mm. There's not 10,000 of us yet, okay? But around 10,000 <laughs> people are evolved. And they all think in different parts of the, the world. This type of a thought, right? It takes 10,000. Now, why do I say 10,000? Because I asked someone really smart about this once. They said, it takes 10,000. And said, by the way, other religions agree with that. Uh, even the uh, Maharishis in India and their faith. Mm. Uh, someone asked the big Maharishi during the time of the Beatles, how do you clear this planet? Song is great, all this other stuff. And they had said it takes about 10,000 enlightened people that meditate and they all meditate together at the same time for unity and happiness and forgiveness on the whole planet and love for one another. So it's interesting. Mm. It's all love. The hate you carry around is the hate we should not have. Okay, the Bible talks about it. If you believe in the Bible, the Quran talks about it. All these things talk about it, okay? The Eastern religions, the Buddhists talk about it. The Hindus talk about it. Forgive one another. Succeed with love. Was there a lesson you had to learn this the hard way? Did you used to hold on to resentment and anger? And oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. I learned the hard way. Yeah, then then I, I let go of it, you know, because in many cases, I was the cause of some of it. And even though I was justified in saying, well, it's his fault, screw him, right? When I really became more aware, I was part of that. Right. And here I'm hating him all along and cutting everything of this person. I hate her all along. And hey, I was part of the cause of that. Now, sometimes they were the cause, sure. but hey, just let it go. Yeah. When did you learn to finally master the art of letting go and forgiveness? How old were you? I still work on it now. Okay, <laughs> now I, most of it is gone, right? Sure. But I'll go along and all of a sudden a thought will come in my mind, a political thought about how could you say something like that, okay? Or something or a negative thought. I immediately correct it. Yeah. Okay, like I think I was saying yesterday, uh, uh, God, what was it I had said there? Uh, it was something that was not having full confidence what I could do. You know, for example, something like, you know, well, I may not be perfect at that. Well, wait a minute. We're all perfect. Every one of us is perfect. We're all brought in this world perfect. It's just that how we've changed that perfection mm. and taken away from it. If we remember, we're perfect. And part of being perfect is don't go on someone else's baloney and hate somebody else or hate a situation <laughs> or go with what somebody said and have an adverse reaction to that. Why? They're, they're welcome to their opinion. They're working to their opinion. Let it go. Mm. And don't think badly about it. If you can't think positively about it, don't do it. 
what started to happen in your life when you started to master the art of that? Obviously, you're still practicing. Oh, you get higher and higher. I catch myself at times, but once you catch yourself, your mind isn't making you doing that. A lot of things happen because what happened in this life or other things, right? And all of a sudden, like someone got burnt, right? And all of a sudden, oh, my hand burnt really bad. And they're Mm -hmm. in a fire and the lights are on and the music's flashing. Now they're all healed. But they get around some other place where the lights are on and the music Mm -hmm. is flashing. They double it. They could feel a pain here. It's because... They didn't release it. You mm-hmm. gotta release is the best way to release anything that bugs you. Think about it, forgive it, and release it. Wow. Do you think you can become more financially abundant when you learn to release anger and resentment? Never thought of it that way, but you definitely can. Yeah. I never thought of that at all. I just thought as an individual, as an entity, it sure. makes me in a position to be the greatest good for the greatest number and walk into a room and give off energy so yeah. strong that maybe some of it stays behind. Yeah. And you'll you know, attract more positive people to you when you do that. A hmm. uh, couple final questions for you. This has been amazing, JP. I really appreciate you sharing and opening up. Hmm. This question is called the three truths. And it's a hmm. hypothetical question. Hmm. So I'd like you to imagine for a moment this is your last day on earth, many, many years away. You get to live as long as you want to live, but one day you got to turn the lights off. Yep. And you go wherever you go next. But for whatever reason, you've got to take all of your written words, all of your... Um, audio, video, content that you've had out into the world, it's got to go with you to the next place. Mm -hmm. So no one has access to this information anymore or anything you've said before. Mm -hmm. But to get to write down three things you know to be true Mm -hmm. about your life and the lessons you've learned that you'd want to leave behind. I call it the three truths, but what would you say are yours? In my case, it's a little different, okay? Because when I leave this body, my entire memory and entity of this life is going to be with me anyway, so I have it all. Sure. And so does everybody else. Whether you believe you go to heaven or you're reincarnated, it goes for that period of time with you. What would you share? What what would be three lessons you'd share to people? Um, Maybe those three important lessons you'd share. It would be be your own entity and remove off your shoulder any hate, any resentment. Forgive everybody for everything. Uh Unquestionable. Just forgive everybody for everything. Okay. And whatever you do in life, look at what is the greatest good for the greatest number. And when things enter your mind that are not positive or that aren't ex- exceptional or you're, you're saying, I can't do something, you can, you can do everything, right? Is don't let those words, I can't or they can't or anything negative enter your mind. Stay positive in your thought. And by staying positive in your thought, be around positive people. You can't do anything for the others. Those are the three things. Stay with those people because together, as ordinary people, together, we accomplish extraordinary results. Mm-hmm. If together I have two or three bad apples in there, it's going to spoil the whole barrel. That's true. Well, how can we support you moving forward? You've got so many mm-hmm. different things going mm-hmm. on, so many businesses, so many causes. Mm-hmm. How can we support you by following you online? Is there somewhere we can go uh, right well, now? I don't do email. I don't turn on a computer. What <laughs> they could say, one spot they could go to is... Uh, uh, JP's Peace, Love, and Happiness Foundation. You can see what some of that foundation is doing. But you can also say, go to Paul Mitchell on our website, right? Paul Mitchell Schools. Look at all the charities we're doing. Our Paul Mitchell Schools alone, until this came along, raised over $2 million a year for charities. Two million a year from students. You know, doing car washes, haircuts, whatever, to give. In our schools, our Paul Mitchell Schools, we teach how to love yourself, but love the world. Many charities in the United States, some are overseas. Okay, but how to love the world. They're taught this in school. 
how to love one another and mm. give at an early age. Wow, that's beautiful. So they can check your websites, they can go there. Check, go to Paul Mitchell websites, Paul Mitchell the School websites, mm -hmm. JP's Peace, Love and Happiness Foundation, and just be open to the universe. Yeah. And the biggest thing I could ever ask anybody to do, when people say to me, JP, what can I do for you for whatever you're doing? And I ask them the same question everybody, are you happy right now? Yeah. They say, oh yeah, I'm very happy. I only want more of that. They say, well, kind of. I say, well, then what I want from you is just get happy within yourself and feel really, really good about yourself and others. Like an example, while you and I are talking, your, let's call it your aura, for lack of a better word, was here. Now your aura's out right here. So you're right. very happy to what we're talking right. about right now. <laughs> and it's coming off your body too now, by the way. Sure, sure. You're very, very happy about what you're doing. Yeah. When people are happy about what they're doing and happy in life, they influence those around them to be happy. Mm -hmm. And Paul Mitchell, in 40 years, our turnover is only a couple hundred people. Wow. We're in 105 countries. We've been around for 40 years. That's unheard of. But we take very good care of our people. Mm -hmm. If for some reason we have to let somebody go, we make sure they win when they go and mm -hmm. are okay. Mm -hmm. But great. our turnover is, is uh, maybe the small, not only the smallest in the industry, maybe the smallest in the world, wow. considering how big we are and where we are. Sure, it's amazing. We, take, we love people. JP, I want to acknowledge you for a moment for mm -hmm. your consistent ability to show up for yourself in the world. You've mm -hmm. been showing up from a young age with for your mom, mm -hmm. for your older brother, for the different communities you're in, and you're constantly giving back. And, yeah. I, and obviously you said you've not been perfect over the years, but you're constantly showing up and giving back. And the ability to just think the way you think of just joy, happiness, forgiveness. Right. Simple principles that a lot of us forget. I acknowledge you for showing up with all you've created, all your success, and constantly wanting to give back. I think it's amazing. I so much appreciate what you're saying. I want to change one thing. Sure. During those days where I say I wasn't perfect, I said the wrong thing. I was perfect. I was just led the wrong way by my mind and what some of my mm. beliefs were, okay? Sure. Which strayed me from being perfect. We're all perfect. We're just straight because of events, timing, yeah. or whatever might be in our mind this time around, or maybe from before. Yeah, Who knows? For sure, for sure. Well, I appreciate everything you're up to. And I have, my final question is, what is your definition of greatness? Greatness is when you do something for somebody else and ask absolutely nothing in return, not mm. even a thank you or acknowledgement. Man, you, not only do you get high as a kite, but you are great within, you don't even have to tell people, you're just great within yourself. Wow, yeah. I did that, and you feel good about yourself and your presence. You don't even have to tell people about it, you yeah. just feel good. You, you need nothing in return. Oh, there you go, JP, thank you so much. My for pleasure. Here. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. I appreciate you for taking the time to improve your mind and become better as a human being with this episode on the School of Greatness with John Paul DeJoria. If you enjoyed it, make sure to give a shout out over to John Paul DeJoria over on social media and let him know that you're enjoying this. Share this with a friend. You can copy and paste the link, lewishouse.com slash 1036, and share that with a friend. Just text someone today, right now, and let them know that you're thinking about them, that they might be inspired by this episode. Post this on social media. Tag me, at Lewis House. Put it in a WhatsApp group message, put it all over the place. Wherever you think people would be inspired, feel free to share it. Let me know that you're listening over on social media so we can stay connected over there as well. And make sure to click that subscribe button right now. If you want to impact more people in the world and inspire greatness in others, then click on the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now and leave a rating and review. The reason I ask that is because when you do that, it helps spread the message of the podcast to more people in that ecosystem and really help others improve their lives as well. So just clicking that subscribe button, leaving a rating and review will help you impact more people in this world. And if you want weekly inspirational messages from me, I send these text messages out every week. Quotes, 
audio messages, videos to your phone direct. People love them. Can't get enough of them. Text the word podcast right now, the word podcast to 614-350-3960 and get on my weekly text subscriber list. It's free. So do it right now. And I want to leave you with this quote from Cher who said, until you're ready to look foolish, you'll never have the possibility of being great. I am so grateful that you decided to improve your life today and stick around to this episode to the very end because you get a reminder, a reminder that we all need every single day. And that is that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. I need you to allow those words to sink into your heart right now. You are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. I'm telling you that you are. I'm very grateful for you, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it, between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are.